Oh, my Lord, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> I would suck his dick. So what are you ladies discussing? Um... <clears throat> books? Welcome to the Nerd Blitz Book Club! Pull up a seat and pull down your pants. Listen to us read and go on rants. Hey gang, thanks for joining us this week for the Nerd Blitz Book Club. I'm Doom. And I'm Fitz. And we're here with... I almost said Star Wars Dark Disciple. <laughs> no, it is not Star Wars Dark Disciple. It is the second in our book club series, a short story by H.P. Lovecraft called Herbert West Reanimator. There you go. Oh, but fuck, we did Dark Disciple for so long. It says, you know, say... Thanks for joining us for the Nerd Blitz Book Club. I'm conditioned to say Dark Disciple. You only did it like 19 or 20 times in a row. No shit. Oh, fuck. This will be, this will be considerably shorter series. It's going to be what, two episodes? Uh, yeah. Six, six chapters, six short chapters. Yeah, but this one I think is going to be a lot denser than our next episode. Oh, really? I didn't read ahead. No, I've, I'm just saying that because I want to talk about the history of this motherfucker. Oh, right. So, yeah, we got a lot more to talk about this time, just yeah. to get, just before we really even get into what the story actually is. Yeah. How are you reading this? Where do you have it from? Um, I have it from that big, fat, complete fiction of H.P. Lovecraft book by Chartwell Books. Okay. I've got mine. It's uh called The Monster Book of Zombies, edited, edited by Stephen Jones. Okay. It's a collection of a bunch of zombie short stories and shit. And I think I've mentioned this before. Most of them aren't good. Yeah. And I guess the fucker who collected these in my book, again, The Monster Book of Zombies, it's published by Metro Books in 2009. But he he wrote little, like, intros for every book. I'm guessing it's him. Yeah, so it's like a literary analysis, almost. Sort of, yeah. But he, he kind of goes into, on a few of them, he goes into, like, the author's influences and shit like that. Yeah. Or, like, some of the other work they did, because the first story in here is by Clark, Clive Barker. Oh, sure, yeah. It's it's called Sex, Death, and Starshine, which I think that was one of the only other stories in, I, in here I liked. Yeah, he, he writes good shit. Yeah, and in here he talks about Hellraiser and all that shit. But, yeah, the history of this book is so fucking fascinating to me, or this story. Yeah, I was going to say, there's probably not much on Lovecraft's influences, since I'm sure he probably didn't have any when he was writing this fucking crazy shit. No, his, no. In, his influence was fucking laudanum. <laughs> <laughs> I 
or fucking peyote. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That was back in the time where, you know, cocaine was rampant, too. But yeah, on this one, it's not really his influences. It's more of, like, the story behind it or part of the story behind it. But yeah, let's just get into it. Before we recorded, we started talking about it. I told you to save it for the show. So go back into what you were saying before we started. Well, what I like about... One of the things I like about H.P. Lovecraft and even um, the guy who wrote the fucking Conan books, this shit is old, dude. This is not. Uh-huh. This has. This wasn't written like twenty, thirty, forty years ago. This shit was written in the twenties. <laughs> okay, can you yeah. fucking wrap your head around what people who saw these stories? Because these were all like published in periodicals. Like uh, I think this. Uh, that's one thing we'll talk about. Uh, Reanimator as well as I as I noticed at the at the beginning of each chapter. There's like a paragraph or two of, of like reset up of who the characters are. That's one are. of the things I want to talk about too. Yeah. And and I immediately was like, "What the fuck is this? Was this like a serial? I mean, was this in a magazine somewhere?" And when I looked it up, sure enough, it was published over like a two year period in uh from like 1920 to 22 or 21 to 22 or something like that. It was first uh, published in. It's like Weird Tales or something. They were originally published under the title Gruesome Tales in Homebrew Magazine starting in January of 22. Okay. Yeah, I'll like I said, I'll go I'll read this dude. I guess it's Stephen Jones. I'll read what he wrote about it when we get into that, but as you were you were talking about like it blowing people's minds and shit back then. These were like underground not not underground but like Well, they kind of were from what I've yeah. I've they're like Red. seedy, like almost like fanzines almost of the yes, day. Yes, exactly. Like you wouldn't necessarily find these magazines just at your fucking pharmacy. On yeah, it's not like rack. fucking people or something. Yeah. Right. But I mean, can you imagine like people in 1922 reading these stories and going, what in the fuck is this guy on? Yeah. Like I'm sure, I can. I'm sure there were some like wacko, uh, like nerdy weirdos that, that were really into it and liked it. Like us. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm sure it was way fucking less people than there would oh, be no now. Oh, no doubt. I mean, yeah. the mainstream, super religious, super conservative people of like the 20s. I mean, yeah. just if you watch Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Which Empire, I've never seen, but Boardwalk I, Empire I know. starts, I think the first season is in 1920. Yeah. And then, I don't know, by the end it might be, I think they do a big time jump at the end, but. I haven't seen the last season, but I think the the last season that I saw was the season before the final one, and I think they might yeah. have been up to 1924. So these this story would have been published during the time of Boardwalk Empire. Now well, I just cannot put it this I way. cannot imagine anybody in that fucking like. There's a scene of Steve Buscemi reading a book, and it's fucking yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and it's like new. Well, like he's he's I mean, reading it for the first time. Like oh, mm, interesting. But I cannot, put it this way. This is all just about 95 years old. That's fucking crazy. Isn't it? It fucking blows your mind. I mean, you try to equate it to other shit, but just put the hard number on it. It's almost 95 years old, dude. Yeah. And I mean, this is some advanced notions, like the themes and the, uh, like, talk about ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. People must have thought that he was an absolute fucking mental patient. And I think he yeah. might have been at one point a mental patient. Like I think that I, I don't know because I, I haven't looked into him. he did have some mental him. issues, but um, it yeah, may have just that been... I don't know because I haven't looked into his history much. I've really just dove deep on this story because 
the like I said, the opening paragraph this dude wrote about it, or page this dude wrote about it, it was like, wait, really? Which, fuck it. I'll just read that real quick, okay? Okay. Uh, again, this is, I'm guessing Stephen Jones. But it says, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, 1890 to 1937, nooch, is probably the most important and influential author of supernatural fiction in the ninth, uh, no, in the 20th century. Almost every major writer working in the horror field today has been inspired in some way by his work. Yeah, there's so much stuff that's been that's been lifted and yeah, and expanded on. Well, yeah, you can really see it sewn through a lot of shit. Yeah. So many of so many of the tropes and the I don't want to say cliches, but like or the kind of formula or the formula. Know, just, that's like yeah, the perfect word so, for so it. So much so much has been people didn't write shit like this before him. No. And I mean, it sounds like for a while after nobody did either, you know? No well, no. Or or they did it and it was really bad. Well well, that's what I mean, sort of, because like if it's not as good as this, nobody did it yeah. did what he did, you know. Yeah, and it's just like it would almost be like um, when Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett and those guys that wrote really good, kind of hard-boiled detective novels. Yeah. You know, they had success, and then there were all kinds of imitators, and that's how that's how you got to the really fucking shitty, like, dime store detective yeah. novels in the 50s yeah. and 40s Well, and I stuff. mean, if you want to talk about detective novels and shit that are stories and shit that were before their time... Another upcoming blue, uh, book club, Arthur Conan Doyle with Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. Those were way before their time. Yeah, I mean the 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 mystery of it and and how smart and intelligent and and complicated and stuff that his stories were mm-hmm. were definitely probably before their time. But Lovecraft shit was before his time because it was just so otherworldly and out there, like the. The Sherlock Holmes stuff is like based in reality. Like there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it's it's you know unbelievable that somebody could be that smart. Yeah, but it's not like creatures coming from outer space and no, no, no. But I mean, there really weren't detective novels like that before Doyle, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, and then yeah. like before Lovecraft, it seems there wasn't horror written like this. No, not really. I mean, you had like Dracula and Frankenstein. That kind of shit, which, you know, in and of itself is kind of fucked up. Frankenstein was written in the 1800s, right? Yeah, I think so. And wasn't like that how, written how, how fucking because... Ghoulish. Wasn't that written because, like, she got stuck in a... Snowed into a cabin or something, and her friends were like, I dare you to write something fucked up. Yeah, like and she a, did. Yeah, they, they were a bunch of writers in a castle or something, and they... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it went. And they, they all... They were all supposed to write something fucked up, and, like, hers was the best. Yeah, hers is the one that hit. Yeah, but I mean, how fucking ghoulish must that book that have been in the eighteen hundreds? Like, it's all oh, about yeah. it's all about digging up dead bodies, and you know how how blasphemous <laughs> must it have been? Like, she must have taken a world of shit over that book. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this seems to have pulled from that and then just ratcheted it up, you know, times ten. Yeah, and that's probably why one of the reasons why people, as we talked about this before too, was. This is uh, among Lovecraft aficionados. This is supposedly regarded as his worst, his poorest effort, Reanimator. That's in this intro, too. Yeah. A little bit. And apparently he wasn't too happy to it either, which I'll get to that. Right, it was just a job, right? He was just writing it to get yeah. paid. Yeah, it's got the details here. Let me 
Okay, go ahead. Keep going on this a little bit. I'll skip some of it because some of it really doesn't have anything to do with this, but uh, the next part says, What makes this fact even more impressive is that Lovecraft was never prolific, and his short stories, poems, and essays mostly appeared in the amateur press or in pulp magazines like Weird Tales during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. So there again, it's like... Yeah, he was a nobody in his lifetime. Yeah, it was like, you know, the most underground shit, and then after he died, people were like, do you hear this motherfucker? Yeah, he was a failed writer during his lifetime. Which, like I said, this is the only thing of his so far that I've ever read, and it's like, if this sucks, I want to read what he did yeah, that this was is, good. Yeah, if this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whew. Um, but let's see. Herbert West Reanimator is admittedly one of the author's earliest professional tales, and as such, lacks much of the power he brought to his later work. In 1921, Lovecraft was approached by fellow amateur journalist George Julian Houston to write a series of six connected horror stories to appear in Houston's new, or no, Houghton, I guess. I don't fucking know. New professional magazine, Homebrew. These were originally published under the title Gruesome Tales, spelt uh, G-R-E-W-S-O-M-E, beginning with the January 1922 issue. Lovecraft complained about the burden of hack labor and the arid waste of commercialism, but still accepted $5 per episode, which worked out to a quarter of a cent a word, or 30 bucks in total. A measly sum, even in 1922. Yeah, 30 bucks, that sucks. Yeah, no shit. Um, to like, I think, I think we made to... more than that on the camping trip. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I think we made all, like double or triple than that. Uh, hmm. At least double. Yeah. I mean, we basically made like the modern day equivalent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hurry up, die so we can be famous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get to that. Don't push me. <laughs> to add insult to injury, although uh, Houghton paid promptly for the first two installments, he kept Lovecraft waiting months for the rest of the money. Oh, what a dick. <laughs> right? Um, it's impossible that Lovecraft could have foreseen, much less approved that the story would eventually form the basis for Stuart Jordan's outrageous 1985 cult movie hit Reanimator and its equally splattery sequel, Bride of Reanimator, both featuring Jeffrey Combs as the death-defying medical student Herbert West. Mm -hmm. That's all. And it's nuts, like, those movies, like, I don't, yeah. know, what, I don't know what the second half of this book's going to be, but the yeah. first three chapters, well... Uh, besides the fact that it's not set in this time period, the movie is, is like just, I mean, so loosely based on this. Well, from what I've heard, it's basically just like the name Herbert West, the name Reanimator, and like Arkham, Miskatonic University, and shit like that. That's basically all it is. Cause yeah, I mean, they do similar things, but it's not, you know, it's it's, it's not an adaptation. Not, no, not not really. I mean, I it's guess like, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. It's, it's a pretty loose adaptation. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems more like a loose translation than an adaptation. Yeah, and Bride Reanimator, get the fuck out of here. That shit was like... I've never seen either of them, but I did <laughs> I did read uh, an Evil Dead versus Reanimator comic. Yeah? Once, and that was pretty fucking good. I should have reread that before we did this, but too fucking late now. Maybe I can read it before next time we record. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, like, you said... Um, among the people who like his work, this is like widely considered one of his worst. 
from what I've read, he pretty much hated it too because he hated that every episode of it or every chapter had to end on a cliffhanger and he hated that every chapter had to start with, you know, a like recap. A, yeah, a restatement of the the cast of characters. Yeah, which like down like down to like a physical description of them too. That's crazy. Well, yeah, because I think as you said it it appeared over like 2 years or something. Strangely that wasn't mentioned in there. How well, that's why far I think I think I read out. that. Maybe I didn't. Well, it maybe was prob- did, it was probably but... only a quarterly publication. I'll bet if it was uh, uh, like a home, uh, like a un- like an indie press type thing, well, he probably it's... only published it every three or four months. It probably wasn't a monthly. Well, it says it was his new professional magazine, so I don't know. Yeah, but apparently he hated it for those reasons too. That like. He had to restate everything at the beginning. He had to do a recap, and then he had to end on a cliffhanger, which, talking about those recaps, that's one of the things that, to me, felt really weird. You know, we talked about this was written in 1921, published in 1922. Yes. Like, the one of the first things that he talks about, it's written from the perspective of... A friend Her- of... Herbert West's uh, assistant or a, a colleague. Yeah, a former friend turned colleague turned sort of assistant, yeah. Yeah, turned turned to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about when it was written, too, let's go back into that. That's something that really stood out to me because, like I said, I've read the Sherlock Holmes stories. I like them, and I think they were written before this, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those were the 1800s as well. Yeah. Late 1800s. Well, those, obviously, they're old-timey. Those are over 100 years old. Yeah. But... At some points in this, and I'll just say right now because this is going to sound like a hardcore criticism, but at some points in this, it was almost like reading a foreign language that I had to translate yeah. into modern. Yeah, that's what I like about the way he writes is everything's a tongue twister in this. There, It's like a brain twister to read these, these stories, the way he writes them. Well, see, that's they're, they're always all, been... They're all very, very almost old Englishy, but not really old English. Yeah, but see, that's always been one of my problems with, like, Shakespeare and shit. Yeah, well, Shakespeare is to the extreme. Oh, I know, but... Yeah, like, I, I mean, don't fucking understand most of what... Like, he's talking almost... Like, some of his shit is, like, in code almost. Uh-huh, it's like he's talking in circular codes and shit. And turns a phrase or um, sayings and colloquialisms that don't exist anymore. Yeah. So you're and... like, what the fuck is a maidenhead? <laughs> Yeah, I have no clue. And people are like, you don't like Shakespeare as much as you like to read and shit? And it's like, I can't understand it. No, that's like that's like schoolwork. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't want to have to fucking have to translate while I'm reading. And it's like... Yeah, and that's one of those ones, the one of those that gets ruined by school. Like, yeah. everybody's forced to read that shit, like, when yeah. you're not really ready to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're in ninth grade now. Let's read fucking Romeo and Juliet as if anybody can fucking understand that shit. Well, I like, mean, and it's boring as shit when you're fifteen. Like, well, I'll tell you fuck? what. I've got a funny story about something like that. I f- I forget what the book was, but at one point, um, when we were in school, they gave us a book and it was like, "You've got to read this, and we've got to do a report on it." Yeah. So, <laughs> at that point, it was like thirteen years ago or fourteen years ago, right when Cedric the Entertainer's book, uh grown-ass man came out yeah <laughs> i took the book they gave us to read and slipped cedric's book in the middle of it <laughs> and read it like a fucking porn magazine or something <laughs> and i got busted with it one day and the teacher was like this isn't what you're supposed to be reading besides it's vulgar look at the title and it was 
grown hyphen a dollar sign dollar sign man. And you're like, that's got the word ass on it. And I was like, no, no, no. It says grown a money man. <laughs> oh. Uh, but yeah, I I was never one for it's like, okay, now we've got to read this. It's like, ha, no, yeah. we don't. So yeah, that's completely other topic, but it fit the situation. Um, But what I was going to say was, it was written in 21, published in 22. Yeah. But the very first paragraph where the guy starts to tell the story. Yeah. He says that, you know, their first uh, incident happened, right? Like uh, when they were medical students at Miskatonic, Miskatonic University in Arkham. Yeah. 17 years prior. Yeah. So this story really takes place in like 1905. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Which, that's another thing. There was a lot of fucking jumping around, you know? And yeah, you think? And, I, I didn't think there was. Well, that I mean, much jumping I mean, around. through the three chapters, and it's it's by necessity. It has to jump around because that's the assignment he was given. Yeah, and that's one of those things that bugged me. And it goes back to what I said earlier about every chat. Or I don't think I did say this, but I will. Starting with chapter two, it felt like every chapter was part of a different story. And then he remembered, oh, shit, I've got to get up back on track and tell this story. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the way the guy wrote that intro, he said that he was commissioned to write six connected horror stories. Yeah. So it wasn't. it's not like he's writing a six-chapter book. He's writing six individual stories connected together somehow. So, yeah, they are a little bit a little bit different. Not, not too much, though. I mean, they're pretty it, well connected. Yeah, they're, it's... It, Seems like, you know, to me, it seems like one book that he was forced to write, you know, recaps for, as I've said a bunch of times. It feels like one book, and then those recaps really fucking throw it off because. Yeah, it does. It seems like he's reading, or he's trying to set up a different story, and then it's like, okay, let's get back on track. And it goes back to the fucking um, assistant or whatever telling a new story. Right. About. this, This other time we did this. Yeah, because, I mean, at the. At the start of this, doesn't it say that Herbert West is missing? Right, he's gone missing. This is, yeah, so this has been 17 years since they started working on their reanimator experiments. Yeah. So now he's gone missing, and so that's why he's telling this tale. Yeah, and that was weird to me, too, because it's like, okay, this dude who used to be my friend, we were, like, super close, we hung out all the time in college, he's missing. But fuck that. You know what we did one time when we were in college? It was so fucked up, dude, listen. Well, I think... I think he's saying all these things because obviously he he thinks that he's come to some nefarious end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, of these experiments. I totally get that, but again, with the way that he was assigned to write this, yeah. It's really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like if he would have been just left alone to his own devices, it would have been I'm sure a whole lot better. Yeah, it would have been a way more cohesive yeah. story. So, it's 17 years before West has gone missing, and Homeboy, which, in these first three chapters, they don't give a name, do they? No, they don't. I don't think so. His buddy's telling an incident, almost as you suggested in the past, almost like he's writing in a diary or something, sort of like that story you wrote for the camping trip. Right. You could tell right away, just by reading one story, which... By the way, I've never read this story, so yeah. this should this should tell you how closely this resembles the rest of his stories. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the voice I was thinking of when I when I wrote that story for the camping trip. Yeah, sort of like, okay, here's some shit that happened, like in a diary. Because I, th- uh-huh. I think you did say that in the past, didn't you? That that's 
how you were trying to write it is like as a yeah, diary, writing, sort of a confessional. A, yeah, he's writing a confession because he thinks he's going to die soon. Yeah, and that's sort of how this is because I do get the feeling that this writer is worried. Yeah, that's the way a lot of Lovecraft stories are, actually. Which, again, if this is what his other shit's like and this is the worst, I want to read more. I want to read the best of it. Yeah, you dig it, man. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, anyway, his buddy here goes into the history of this fucked up experiment or thing that uh, West was interested in. Yeah, like this whole, they were both medical students, and Herbert West is obsessed with trying to figure out how to reanimate or to inject life back into dead things. Yeah. So he's like doing these clandestine experiments in the university on like dead animals. Yeah, and a lot of the other students and the teachers and shit are like, what? What? Yeah, and they, they bring the hammer down and are like, you can't do that anymore here. That's unacceptable. And so he's he butts heads with like the dean or the, uh, the main professor, that Halsey guy. Yeah, Alan Halsey. Yeah, and he's in the movie too. There's an Alan Halsey character in the movie, but yeah. uh, but they're they're at odds because he doesn't. Herbert West believes that you know they're kind of holding him back or or holding back scientific advancement because of yeah. their yeah because of their like puritanical old school hangups. Yeah, which that comes back in chapter three. Yeah, he's working on a lot of animals and shit, but. In most of the cases, when they come back, they're like extremely violent. Yeah, or or yeah, or or they don't, or they just barely, you know, they get just some tiny little spark of life, and then then it's done. Yeah, but he's he's developed this serum that he injects into these dead bodies, and that's supposed to bring them back. And what I thought was pretty interesting was it's not just one serum that works on anything. Like he has to fucking formulate these exactly. different serums based on. You know, the the same serum doesn't work on a squirrel that works on a rat that works on a person. Yeah, exactly. He and even says, even among yeah, and even among people, it's like black people need a different serum than white people, than Asian people, than men. Which than that women, than, that part there was weird to me. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. <laughs> it's given the it's given the time. I get that, but here here's the other thing about Lovecraft that you have to kind of accept. That I didn't bump into because of the time. Yeah, and the same with, like I said, Raymond Chandler and those kind of guys. Yeah. It's a little, it can be a little dicey in the race department. This comes to an issue that I always have, especially like in this day and age. And again, I didn't really bump into it because I know what, I know the time that this was written, you know? Yeah. You can't hold them to the standards of it today. I mean, you can look at them and be like, what the fuck, dude? Or yeah, or like, what an asshole. Like, really? you? It's like your racist old grandma. Like, yeah, that's just exactly. what they know. It but doesn't just, necessarily mean that they're a terrible person. They just that's what was acceptable. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that really made me bump into it is like he says that black people and white people are affected differently. And it's like, you know, we still have this issue today because people don't seem to understand. Again, back then they didn't understand. But it's like people don't understand why our skin colors are different and shit. And it's like it's a scientific fact that like, say, a black dude versus us, th- his ancestral tribe stayed closer to the equator. That's why his skin is black. It's not like an alien dropped an Asian dude, a white dude, and a fucking black dude. It's because it's a genetic mutation. That's why people's skin is different colors and shit. So yeah. you've got like people whose skin is like so black it's almost purple, and then you've got mm-hmm. some 
black people whose skin is so dark or so light, they almost look like a white dude who just got a slight tan. Right. And that's well, yeah, what it's, it's all environmental adaptation. Exactly. And when I read that, I bumped into it simply because of all the shit that's happening in the world today that people are yeah. just today are too fucking stupid to understand. And it's, it's one of the reasons why the word racist pisses me off because it's like, it's not racist, asshole. It's ethnicist. It's a different ethnicity. <laughs> Which I should tell you, I've been holding this back on the main show, but it's like, here, there's a perfect excuse to talk about it. Yeah. So it's like, fuck it, let it out. What the fuck is wrong with you people? We're not different races, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I didn't think that was interesting just because, like, they didn't know that back then. It's like, you stupid fucks. (laughs) Yeah, or Or it wasn't widely known or widely accepted. Or, uh, you know, probably mostly they just didn't give a shit. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it wasn't known back then because... I mean, again, this was 1921 when he wrote it. Yeah. They didn't fucking give a shit about ancestral tribes and shit then. They probably didn't even fucking know much about, you know, life pretty much started in Africa and then migrated north or south or whatever to get away from the sun. Again, that I understand. They didn't under, they didn't know that back then, but it's like, now I bumped into it because of that reason. It's like, you fucking idiots. You didn't know shit. You were probably yeah. thinking the Earth was flat too, you dumb motherfuckers. Well, they'll, they're, there's going to come a point in this uh, in these three chapters where you're not going to be able to defend it so easily. Yeah, uh. <laughs> uh, uh, because he does reanimate a black guy, and um, his description is not flattering. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, and it's like, oh my god. I know, I cringed. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, please don't do that. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to talk about this. Again, like they said, <laughs> I'm not defending it. It's like you dumb fucks. But still it's just like it's of the time and to like ignore it it's like that's just stupid. Yeah, you can't ignore it. Cuz you're not going to benefit anybody by being like, "Well, this never happened." It's like, "Yes, sure. it did." But anyway, we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, you need to confront it and say, "See this? Don't do this anymore." Yes, Mr. President. Yes, this happened. Don't do this again. Let's let's not go back to this. <laughs> so story, anyway, besides the fact the story doesn't benefit from that description at all. No. <laughs> was that in chapter three? Because I feel like I just I read that. Yeah. I yeah. Think it was the last chapter. So we'll get there, and it's just like, what the fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh. But anywho. So so the faculty steps in and tells West that. His experiments are no good. You can't do that. You know, if we catch you doing it again, you know, we're going to suspend you or expel you or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, and the con- the uh, assistant in his writing here is saying it wasn't long after that that uh, West confided in him that, guess what? I'm going to start getting fresh human bodies to do this on. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't these, fresh yet. Animals. Fresh came later. It was... He knew that he wanted oh, to start right. trying, trying on to get... humans, yeah. Yeah, so he was trying to get... Because he'd worked on rabbits and guinea pigs, cats, dogs, and monkeys, and then the assholes were like, no, you're done here. And he's like, okay, fine, I'm done here. And then he told right. his buddy, he's like, we're gonna go find a human. <laughs> right, so they so they start watching, well, they, they set up shop in this abandoned farmhouse. Yeah. They picked this farmhouse because it was kind of secluded away from the road, and... 
you know, they covered all the windows with curtains. Yeah. So people couldn't see lights in the middle of the night. When they start watching the death notices in the paper, you know, as soon as they find a hot one, as they say. <laughs> and it also has to be, like, not maimed. So it couldn't be somebody that, like, was crushed in an accident or fucking had limbs severed and, you know, was all mangled and fucked up. What we wanted were corpses interred soon after death and without artificial preservation. Oh, right. They couldn't be embalmed either, right? Exactly. So had, yeah. Preferably free from malforming disease and certainly with all organs present. Accident victims were our best hope. Which, that one to me, it's like, okay, say somebody falls off their fucking horse and breaks their neck. Can you use that? Yeah, I guess you probably could. Um <laughs> Just imagine you're getting chased by one of these fucking big old farm boys with his head lolling to the side, just chasing after you. Uh-huh. <laughs> and his bib overalls. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no shit. But so they finally find a, a good one. They see a good one in the paper and are like, okay, tonight we're going to go dig this fucker up. <laughs> so they do. They, they sneak into the graveyard and fucking dig this guy up. Yeah, it was a, it was a brawny young workman... Who drowned only the morning before in a pond. Right. So they, they basically weekend at Bernie's this guy back to the fucking farmhouse. Exactly. Right? Isn't that how he describes it? Like they, I, they I think carry the, him, I don't remember if it, this was the like, one or the one before, but yeah, it was basically they put a coat on him and a hat and they put their arms around him <laughs> and was like, True la lu oh, he's so fucked up. You wouldn't yeah. believe how fucked up he is. He's just like Whoa, I think I just pissed myself. He is dead tired. <laughs> uh, but this is important, so I'll I, just let me say this real quick. It said the dude drowned in the pond and he was buried at the town's expense, which meant they did it quick and didn't embalm him. That's why they knew he was the perfect. Um, right, because it's that's that's how they start scoping out like the Potter's Field. Yeah, and it says here that afternoon. They went and peeped out the grave and were like, okay, this shit will work, and went back that night after midnight. And they did put him in a, in a canvas sack. They didn't wake into Bernie's. Yeah, that it must was, be, it must I guess be that's in one. chapter two, yeah. Which, does yours give the uh, chapter titles? Yeah. Okay, this chapter is titled From the Dark, presumably because they went and unburied this fuckhead at night. I guess so, yeah. So, yeah, they start unburying the dude, and they hit the wood box with him in it. As you said, they throw them in a sack and go back to the farmhouse, right? Yep, and they put them on their dissecting table in the farmhouse, and we had at last what West had always longed for, a real dead man of the ideal kind, <laughs> ready, ready for the solution as prepared according to the most careful calculations and theories for human use. So this is like the perfect subject, or what he thinks is the perfect subject. Exactly. Which, um, we're rapidly approaching the end of this first chapter, which, that's where it really hooked me. And the reason why I wanted to read this, because if you remember, I read this, like, months ago, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it either in one of the book club episodes or one of the episodes of the main pod, because I told you I was reading Dark Disciple when we were reading it, I was reading mm -hmm. the Star Wars book I was reading, and this, and this mm -hmm. is why I suggested, dude, we should fucking do this book, because... The end of this chapter is so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, it goes in a way that, like, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see coming that that, that that's how this was gonna go. Yeah, and it's kind of how each chapter has gone so far, and it's like, oh, that's fucked up. So they inject this dude with the serum, mm -hmm. and uh, they got no response with the stethoscope. Yeah, no response. Stethoscope. Yeah, they waited for how long? 
three quarters of an hour without the least signs of life. Yeah, and pronounced the solution inadequate. So then he whips up another batch because he thinks that that solution was maybe inadequate. So he he tweaked it a little bit and whipped up a new solution and stabbed him with that one. Which makes you wonder, what if combining solutions, that can't be the greatest idea, can it? No, I mean, probably not. But I guess if the one, yeah, I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Is like, is that what caused the ending? Maybe, but but he doesn't do it in the other ones. Yeah. So I'm thinking. I'm thinking the first solution just didn't work at all. That it didn't. Uh, it didn't matter that they mixed them. But that's a good point. Like that's probably not the best idea to start doing cocktails. Uh huh. It's like, well, fuck it. This didn't work. Let's add three more. Um. But it says after they they were gonna try one change in the solution. But that afternoon, they dug a grave in the cellar that they would put the body in when they were done with it. Mm-hmm. Which, that, too, is just like, whoa. Yeah, I know. So that they're, like, going to have a fucking cellar full of bodies. Uh-huh. It's like, and what happens if it fucking gets full? Then what are you going to do? <laughs> well, they find a new farmhouse. I guess. For although we had fixed the lock on the house, we wished to shun even the remotest risk of a ghoulish discovery. Besides, the body would not be even approximately fresh the next night. Yeah, so they definitely didn't want to leave the thing just sitting out on the table all night. Yeah, because it started getting stanky. Yeah, so they step next door in their little makeshift operating room. They've got like a curtain dividing the room, so they go on the other side of this curtain to mix that new solution. And while they're over there, then there's like a sudden and ghoulish scream, right? Yeah, the most appalling and demonic uh, succession of cries that either of us had ever heard. Not more unutterable could have been the chaos of hellish sound if the pit itself had opened to release the agony of the damned. Which, that's the kind of talk I'm talking about where it's like, okay, stop. Yeah, but that really fucking paints a picture, right? Oh, no shit. But like I said, I just had to stop and like reread it a couple times and be like, Yeah. oh, I know what he's saying. That's fucked up. Yeah, you don't need any more description about what it sounded like. No. <laughs> Uh, and then let's see. For in one inconceivable cacophony was centered all the super supernal. Mm-hmm. See, that's one of those old timey words. It's like what? Right. Uh, terror and unnatural despair of animate nature. And it's like this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's some flowery shit. Mm-hmm. That's some really goth flowery shit. So this fucking crazy. St- moan scream hellish noise comes from where they left that body yeah and they're like fuck all this shit <laughs> and they all jump out the window and run away <laughs> <laughs> they ran straight back to his dorm room yeah it says i think we screamed our ourselves as we stumbled frantically toward the town that reminded me like shaggy and scooby they're just running like ah! and shit you know yeah so they get back to West's dorm and they like try to reassure each other that they didn't actually hear anything mm-hmm. and that it was fine. Um, and it was just their nerves. And the next day they get up and read about how the old Chapman farmhouse is inexplicably <laughs> burnt <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's no big deal. I mean, we probably just knocked over the acetylene lamp on the way out when uh-huh. we were running away and it just caught the whole house on fire and burned it down. Yeah. And then this second news item's like, what are you too fucking stupid? Second little news item that they read about is there had been a, a an attempt to disturb that fresh grave in the potter's field, uh-huh. um, as if by futile and spadeless clawing at the earth. That we could not understand, for we had patted down the 
mold very carefully. So they had filled that grave back in and 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 covered it up and padded it down to make make it look undisturbed. Uh huh. The next day, it looked like something had been clawed with its hands to get back into that grave. <laughs> Again, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. And then it says for the for the next seventeen years, West would constantly be looking over his shoulder, thinking that that something was following, feel, feeling like something was following him, or that he would think he hears footsteps behind him. Yeah. Ooh. Spooky, yeah, I know. I'm wiggling my fingers at the mic, but nobody can see me or hear it. So, uh, yeah, that right there. I read it, and it's like, okay, they fucking inject the dude. They fuck off to the other room. And like, well, that didn't work. Ho-hum. Let's get another solution. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, they're like, Wah! And they're like, fuck this. Let's go. Uh-huh. Then the joint burns down, and somewhere in the graveyard, somebody's digging a grave, and it's like, that is fucking cool, man. Isn't that fucking awesome? And then I was like, wait a second. Is this public domain? Uh, It might be. I mean, these things have been published in so many fucking things. I think you can get free ebooks. I think this may be, like, if you have a Kindle, if you go to the Amazon store, I think I think these Lovecraft stories are free. Yeah, well. So I think, it's, I think it might be public domain. Reading that right there is like, god damn, dude, we need to get some people. Get a camera? Do you see where I'm going yet? <laughs> if this is public domain, it's like, I want to fucking see that. Nobody else is making it. Let's fucking do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other chapters are good and shit, too, but fuck that. That chapter right there, let's fucking do this, man. Yeah, it's a hell of an opening chapter to hook you in. No shit. And just like with most of his stuff, it's so unassuming that it, it doesn't sneak up on you till the very end. And then, again, after reading that intro where it's like, this is one of his, widely considered one of his worst works, and it's like, are you fucking shitting me? hmm So, yeah. Chapter 2, The Plague Demon. Like, who the fuck puts those two words together in 1922? Strange shit like that. You know he had to have had, for the time, strange motherfuckers that were like, I want more of this. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, and those were the people you wanted to stay the hell away from. Because <laughs> if they were like that back then, well, it was far less acceptable to be that weird. There were probably lots of people who were like, ooh, this is interesting, but you would never, ever talk to anybody about it. Oh, fuck no. Cause it, or they would think that, or they would put you in a fucking rubber room. In a way, it sort of seems like how comics were viewed like back in the 60s, 70s and shit. Like, yeah. once you got past 12, if you read comics, it's like, what are you, fucking retarded? Right. What's wrong with you? That's sort of how I see or imagine it was probably like, you know, if you were like, dude, yep. I read this thing called Reanimator. And they're like, wait, what the fuck does Reanimator mean? Reanimate what? Exactly. And then he's like, well, see this dude? Well, dead dead people, of course. Yeah, it's like this dude, he digs up a body and brings it back to life. And they're like, the fuck is wrong with you? Right. No, hang on. What the fuck is wrong with you? No, I'm not going to let it drop. <laughs> Call his mom. Lock him up. <laughs> right. Call the authorities. I think this guy might be a serial killer. <laughs> Are you Jack the Ripper? So, chapter two, the plague demon. So, so we pick up. Not really. Well, he's uh, <laughs> he's still telling his story. Yeah. To the assistant. Now we're moving on to the following summer. So this is sixteen years ago. So it'd be the following summer after their first incident with that, um, with burning the farmhouse down and uh, typhoid is sweeping through Arkham and 
fucking wrecking house through Arkham and killing a bunch of people. Which Arkham is the town that Miskatonic Universe, or the main town in the Miskatonic Valley, which, yeah. Yeah, it's like this, the the town that most all of his stories take place in or around. Kind of like, um, and again, this is like an influence you can see in like Stephen King. I was just going to ask you that. Where he's created, yeah, where he's created like um, Castle Rock. Yeah. Or whatever. Isn't that what it is? I don't know. Um, in most of his. I haven't read any of Stephen King's shit either. What? Yeah. We, oh, man. Dude, we've had this conversation. You can't be surprised. My memory is shit, dude. I don't remember anything. Yeah, because remember, I, I told you I've always wanted to read The Stand and Dark Tower. Because right. those sound okay, fucking yeah. tits. Yeah, so he's got his own. Um, yeah, I think it's. Oh, fuck. Is it Castle Rock? Well, I know there's that production company, Castle Rock right. Entertainment. I don't know if that's his or somebody else's or what. I just remember seeing that all the time when I was little. Yeah. Hold on. What, are you Googling it? Yeah. That's why your memory sucks, dude. Because you don't fucking go through your files in your memory. You're just like, fuck it, I'll Google it. Yeah, Castle Rock is part of Stephen King's fictional main topography and provides the setting for a number of his novels and short stories. Aren't... Yeah, I thought it was. Is all of King shit tied together? Um, well, kinda. Cause I've heard that like. And if you read the entire Dark Tower series by the end, it will fucking blow your mind. So I would read a bunch of his other books first. Yeah. Cause that that will make for a much bigger payoff at the end of that series. But yeah, so so Arkham is like Castle Rock in the Stephen King world. Okay. And Miskatonic University is the um you know, the the big university there with the medical school. And yeah, um, there's a lot of references to that in, in his other short stories. So they're working on their postgraduate stuff. Uh, West had gained quite a bit of notoriety for his experiments leading towards the revivic- revivification of the dead. The first half of this chapter is just a recap of what just happened in the first chapter. Yeah. Um, and West has come to the conclusion that that body they used must not have been fresh enough. That That's a recurring complaint of his is like, well, it wasn't fresh enough. It's got to be fresh. Yeah, and it says here that after that experience with the dude that burnt down the house, that he did quit his research for a while. Right. But Yeah, scared him straight for a while. Yeah, bit. but then curiosity got the better of him, and he started back up. And this is this I thought was really cre- creepy, too, because especially back in the day, it says, pleading for the use of the dissecting room and of fresh human specimens for the work he regarded as so overwhelmingly important. Begging to use the dissecting room and fresh bodies after you're known as the dude that's trying to revive bodies, mm-hmm. you know that's going to raise an eyebrow or 12. I don't think he's hiding it when he's pleading for the for, for the use of those rooms. Well, that's what I mean. For their facilities, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, he's known as the dude that wants to fucking bring back dead people. And then he's begging them, please let me use the fucking dead bodies in the dissecting room. And they actually fucking let him, don't they? No. Halsey is dead set against oh, okay, it. Yeah, so that's all, right. all the other yeah. all the other faculty, they, they agree with his verdict of no way are you doing that here. Yeah, so it's like I said, that would raise an eyebrow or 12, right? They'd be like, what are you, fucking nuts? You're the one who's trying to bring yeah. back the dead, dipshit. No. Leave our shit alone. I just looked down and seen irrationally retarded. Irrationally retarded. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He feels that he's being irrationally retarded by uh, Doctor Halsey and the puritanical faculty of Miskatonic U- Medical School. Yeah, because he's trying to pursue 
supremely great work. Yeah, and he's really resentful and irritated that he's got access to all these facilities and stuff, but he can't use it for his own for these works that he thinks so important. Yeah, so then they get to the end of the recap, and that's when they get back to. Um, then came the scourge of typhoid. Yeah, and they had they had just graduated when that started happening. Okay, so they um, they stayed on at the university to help out with the influx of typhoid patients. Yeah, during summer. Um, yeah, so that they could retain access to the facilities and the equipment and stuff. They both weren't licensed yet, but they both had their degrees, and they were pressed into service as the number of the stricken grew. And the situation, as happened in small towns and shit like that, with something like that, got worse. Yeah, and they just start burying people as quick as possible without embalming, mm-hmm. um, which for them is great news. Yeah, no shit. The college had all but closed, and every doctor of the medical facility was helping to fight the typhoid plague. Dr. Halsey, in particular had distinguished himself in sacrificing yeah, in sacrificing service, applying his extreme skill with wholehearted energy to cases which many thought were dangerous or hopeless. And soon Halsey became like the fucking hero of the town. Right, because he's working so hard to help these sick people and try to contain the outbreak and all this. And, and he's not concerned about catching it himself. He's just like, he's like a plague doctor. He's just like fucking wades right in and is like yeah and even though he was like fucking west's lex luther he couldn't help but admire the dude for all that he put in yeah so it, the college is basically closed down because they're 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 so overworked yeah because to keep they up need with this medical they need crisis. all hands on deck to fucking take care of the typhoid right so during all this disorganization and chaos they managed to smuggle in a recently deceased body into the dissecting room mm-hmm and with a new modification to the serum the thing actually opened its eyes it stared at the ceiling for a few minutes and then collapsed yeah and just collapsed like that and never got back up again right and again west is like nap wasn't fresh enough yeah this hot summer air whoo it's making them rot fast uh and it says that time they were almost caught before they could incinerate the fucker yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they take him down to the fucking incinerator to burn him up. Uh-huh. That August... Yeah, it's the peak of the outbreak, of the crisis. And uh, he says, uh, West and I were almost dead, and Dr. Halsey did die on the 14th. Uh-oh. So, uh-oh. <laughs> I wonder what could happen here. Nothing good. Yeah, so the students all attended a hasty funeral for him, and blah, 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 and... It was almost a public affair because, like you said, he'd become this big folk hero almost of this typhoid outbreak. Yeah. After the funeral, basically everybody else went home or to take care of whatever else they needed to take care of. And that night, Wes persuaded the narrator to make a night of it. Yeah, in the morning, after they have their uh, fucking bender um, to, to mourn their professor's death or whatever, they're going out and trying to live it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, they come home with a third man in between them, a drunk that they say they met at the bar and, you know, didn't want to turn him out in the street, so they just brought him home with them. Yeah, she, the the broad questioned him, they kind of blew her off, and she told her husband that they'd all apparently drank too much, and an hour later, it says, the whole house was aroused by cries coming from West's room where 
They had to break down the door. They found the two of them unconscious on the bloodstained carpet, which, yeah, again, unconscious. the fucking scene. <laughs> can you just imagine the fucking scene of this room? Yeah, like furniture broken, blood on the floor, two guys knocked out. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what you've been saying about the time, because they're like fucking beat up, scratched up, everything's destroyed. And it says mauled. They've been mauled. Yeah, and the the window's open, so, like, where's this third guy they brought back with them? Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, he must have jumped out the second-story window, and they're like, how the fuck did this guy jump out of the second-story window and run away? Yeah, and there were strings. After beating the shit out of these guys and busting up this room. Yeah, and his instruments are broken. There's clothes, unknown clothes everywhere. Oh, yeah, they found they found some weird clothing, weird garments in the room, and they're like, oh, no, that didn't belong to that uh, person that was in the room with us. Um, That was... uh." Uh yeah, we were uh collecting those and uh testing those for uh germs and shit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's what happened. You should you should these are dangerous though. You should burn these right away. Yeah. <laughs> so they took them to the fireplace and burned them. That doesn't seem suspicious. No, they lied to the police and they're like, "Yeah, we don't know who this guy was. He was just some stranger we met." Just like every episode of Cops. Yeah, no yeah, shit. I, I don't I don't know him. I don't know him. Yeah, I just met these guys. I was taking yeah. I was taking them for a ride. She's a hooker? Yeah, or, or yeah, oh, no, he's my friend. We've been hanging out for, you know, six months. What's his last name? I don't know. His name's, um, 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 you know, drugs. He's got drugs. Why would you have drugs in my car, sir? You are going to have to walk now. Yep. <laughs> After that, the next night, or that night, rather, they heard a story of a watchman being clawed to death in a manner not only too hideous for description, but raising a doubt as to the human agency of the deed. They even interviewed mm. uh, the dude who ran a circus in a neighboring town. Yeah, to make sure their line didn't fucking escape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he swore no beast had escaped from there. And the, the people who found the body noted a trail of blood leading to the receiving tomb, where they found a small pool of blood, and then... A faint trail leading to the woods. Apparently, whatever the fuck this dude has in this concoction makes fuckers want to die again. Yeah, real bad. Well, they they want to get back to their grave. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be dead. They don't want to be alive. So yeah, they all go back to the cemetery and start fucking clawing at anybody and anything that gets in their way as they try to get back in the ground. Which again, is just a fucking horrific... I know, is that so ghoulish? It's a fucking horrific notion for the day. Yeah. And then uh, the next night, eight houses got broken into by some nameless thing that says strewed red death in its wake. In all, 17 maimed and shapeless remnants of bodies were left behind by the voiceless, sadistic monster that crept abroad. Holy shit. Some who saw it say it looked like a malformed ape or anthropomorphic fiend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it hadn't left behind everything that it had attacked because sometimes it had been hungry and it fucking ate people. The number it killed was 14. Three of the bodies had been in stricken homes and had not been alive. So he was eating dead corpses. Yeah. And then on the third night... It gets worse! A frantic band of searchers led by the police captured it in a house on Crane Street near the Miskatonic campus. So they, they had all these volunteers on telephones calling around to see, like, people who sighted it. Yeah. And they reported hearing a, a scratching at a shuttered window. They said there was only two more victims because people were on the lookout for this thing. 
and the capture was effected without major casualties. The thing was finally stopped by a bullet, though not a fatal one, and was rushed to the local hospital amidst universal excitement and loathing. Because what they find out is it had been a man, not some kind of monster or animal. They patched him up and sent him off to Seftum Asylum, mm-hmm. um, where they just said earlier in this chapter, that's where, I guess, West um, had had been working. And uh, he just refers to it as the mishap. Seftum has had the mishap and West is now missing. Yeah. So they sent this thing off to that asylum. When they cleaned this thing up, they noticed that his face bared an unbelievable resemblance to Dr. Alan Halsey. <laughs> yeah, they fucking uh, uh, took uh, uh, fucking uh, uh, Halsey. And you know that had to have been like a great fuck you to him for trying to stop West. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and again, at the end of the chapter, after after the two of them got patched up, the, the assistant uh, recalls West muttering through his bandages, damn it, it just wasn't fresh enough. <laughs> <laughs> it says while it was in that cell for 16 years, it said it just beat its head against the wall for 16 years, too. Until the recent mishap when it escaped under circumstances that few like to mention. Exactly. So you know that fucking thing, dead reanimated Halsey's face had to have been like fucking hamburger at that point, even though it was like a padded cell. Which, I mean, that's basically the theme for this, I guess. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's a fucked up story. I mean, it's kind of a fucked up story even for now. Oh, yeah. But 95 years ago? Yeah. He's lucky he didn't get locked up. Yeah, because, I mean, this wasn't long after the time when they fucking did that shit. Yeah, like, where are these ideas coming from, dude? Uh Uh-huh. Are you digging up dead bodies? And, I mean, like, the Salem witch trials and shit were only, like, what, 150 years before this? Yeah. So they didn't fucking take the quantum leaps forward like we have in, say, the last 40 years. So they were a lot closer to that than we are to this. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Crazy. You you do wonder if, like, somebody fucking tried to get a hold of this dude and see what his fucking deal was. Oh, probably. Which kind of makes me worry based on what I've written for that thing on my site. (laughs) Oh, you're on a watch list, brother. Oh, I know, probably. For sure. Fucking FBI's keeping tabs (laughs) on you. Yoo-hoo! Oh, boy. So, chapter three, six shots by midnight. Now... This is maybe one of the coolest uh, opening sentences to a chapter you're ever going to read. Yes. It is uncommon to fire all six shots of a revolver with great suddenness when one would probably be sufficient. (laughs) But many things in the life of Herbert West were uncommon. Uh, And it's like, okay. That's a fucking sentence. (laughs) (laughs) No shit. That's like, okay, so what happened then? And then again, we've got to go... recap yes which again it feels like whoever this fucking editor what was his name again because he needs a resounding fuck you oh that guy from the, the magazine that, that paid for yeah george julian houghton or houghton or whatever his fucking name is dude what the fuck because it really bogs it down and holds it back from being what it could have been kind of yeah but i mean we're reading it bang 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 you know like True. when these were originally published, True. that's why when I read it, I was like, these must have been serialized. This couldn't have possibly been how he wrote the chapters of a book. Very true. I mean, it's sort of like that the thing with comic books where, you know, like they jam all the dialogue, the recap dialogue into the first few pages and shit. When you read three issues in a row, it's like, 
come the fuck on. Yeah, it's very repetitive. Yeah. So some time has passed, and they're fully licensed doctors now. And they're in the next town over, Bolton, which that's the town that the um, circus fucker was in. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so they, they set up shop in this house. Um, well, they picked a house that's, again, close to the potter's field. Yeah. Um, so it's separated by a few hundred yards and like a little strip of woods. Yeah, and it says five numbers from the closest neighbor. So the neighbors aren't that close either. Yeah, and so their their main business is to uh, work on the the employees of this mill in this town. Yeah, because it's a small factory town. Yeah, and apparently these guys are kind of dickheads and nobody else really wants to treat them. So they're like, yeah, we'll fucking do it. And this is where things start getting like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, things things are about to take a turn. Yeah, where it's like, ugh. oh, we're talking about the uh, the description yes. of the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was talking about the ending. Well, I mean that the the ending is cool, but this is where we start hitting roadblocks. Uh, a little bit. This is where he kind of talks about how he's discovered the solutions need to be formulated specifically for the person you're trying to reanimate, mm-hmm. um, and the bodies had to be exceedingly fresh. Or any slight decomposition of the brain tissue would render it render reanimation impossible. Exactly. Perfect reanimation. So he's like, the greatest problem was to get them fast or to get them fresh enough. Which that makes me wonder. We've got three chapters left. It makes you wonder at what point he's just going to start killing. Oh uh, yeah, it, it's got to be soon. Yeah. I mean, he's got to come to that conclusion pretty soon. And and at that point, then what's the fucking point? <laughs> what was the what would be the point then? Of reanimating somebody that you just killed just so you could reanimate them. I guess so that if somebody does get killed, he could reanimate them. I don't know. but Yeah, but then they wouldn't be fresh enough. Then they wouldn't reanimate perfectly. I guess what he's trying to do is make sure he gets the solution right. Because even though like he needs them fresh, the solution's still not there either. Yeah, so, Yeah, I guess that's like the X factor. It's kind of an X factor of, you know, is it the solution's not right or the body's not fresh enough? Exactly. And I'm thinking he's... What's going to happen is he's looking to get the solution right, and that way, like, people are like, oh, God, fucking dad just fell out of a tree. Rush over there and be like, pop, pop it in his vein, and it's like, ha-ha, I fixed it, boop, or something. I don't know, but that's what I see coming. The fucker's going to start killing. Yeah, so they have good luck in this new location getting fresh specimens. Um, So there's, like, three or four that they go through real quick. All of them were failures. Then their luck kind of dried up, and well, they found they through a period where they found no... one that didn't have an arm. Which yeah, that one. It's like you already figured out you didn't want them too damaged. Why would? You... Well, I guess you take what you can get. Sometimes I, I guess he was like, "Well, fuck it, let's try it." I guess. And it says if we had had a perfect body, we might have succeeded better. But then between then and the next January, they'd secured three more. One total failure. One case of marked muscular motion, which that right there, I love that because I love me some alliteration. Right. Uh, and one rather, does it say one rather shivery thing? Yeah. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, my eye just went blurry. It, it rose and uttered a sound and then came, yeah, it rose and uttered a sound. Yeah, and then came a period when luck was poor. March came. And here's where things get a little fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Again, the fucking Puritan, the Puritan town and shit. They made uh, boxing illegal. Right, so you can't box in this town. So what? So what happens? They start running illegal boxing matches in the mill. Or, yeah, or, you know, amongst the workers, right. and occasionally professional boxers of the low grade they would come into town, 
And one right. late night, there was a match, and shit went south. Somebody got somebody got beat to death. Some of the guys came came directly to them and were like, "Well, that there, it's not just two guys." <laughs> well, yeah, three poles. Yeah, two timorous poles, and it's like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's all right. He's just painting the picture that they have foreign workers there. <laughs> Immigrant workers. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, he didn't call them Polacks, at least. Well, I mean, it's not that far off. Well, a pole, that's what, I mean, that's what you call, that's what you call a pole, isn't it? A Polish person? A pole? I don't, I, I guess you, I would think you would call them Polish that's... now. Well, yeah, but Polish isn't plural. You couldn't say three Polish. I don't know. It's, that just seems like something that if it was written now, people would get in an uproar about. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to Google it. Okay, do that. See, this is what everybody comes to Nerd Blitz for. We're going to fucking educate you on some shit. Hopefully. The noun Polak. Right. <laughs> yeah, we know that one. We know that one. <laughs> Give me something else here. <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sake, you could have worded it slightly different. Been like, there was two fucking... Two Polish gentlemen. Yeah, two <laughs> Polish workers came. And we're like, dude, we fucked up. We made a duty. The neutral English language alternative to the term Polish person today is Pole. Okay. So that's, that is okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was okay. It's hard to tell anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, these two Polacks came. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> These these three Polish dudes come and they're like, "Hey man, uh, can you guys come look at something for us?" <laughs> they came so up they and was like, "Hey kid, you want to see a dead body?" <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, "Um, could you? We we need some help. Could you tend to this person for me?" Mm-hmm. Um, and they come and they're like, "Uh, this guy's fucking dead." <laughs> uh... So they show up where this boxing match was and everybody's freaked out because there's some this black dude laying on the ground. Yeah. And they're like, um, yeah, he's obviously already dead. <laughs> yes. So so then they're like. Um, and this is where the description goes off the tracks. <laughs> it says, and this is a quote, so don't give us no shit. The, right. the Negro had been knocked out and a moment's examination showed us that he would permanently remain so. He was a loathsome gorilla-like thing with abnormally long arms, which I could not help calling forelegs. I read that and I was like, oh, Lord. I know. And then it gets worse. I know. In the face that conjured up thoughts of unspeakable Congo secrets and tom-tom poundings under an eerie moon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it gets worse still. The body must have looked even worse in life. Oh, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's uh, like, but anyway. Good they, Lord, dude. They tell, they tell the guys, hey, don't worry. We'll make this guy disappear for you. Yeah. So the so the workers are all like, or the the people at this boxing match are all like, "Whew, well, we don't have to worry about that now." Yeah. So nobody even bothers to ask, "Hey, what are you gonna do with this body?" <laughs> so they dress this guy up and they weekend at Bernie him too, <laughs> walk him home. And they keep calling they keep calling the body an it. We dressed the thing and carried it home between us. Right. And it's well, like, and dude, you're nothing, doubling down now. No, they do that with the the other body. I know, too. I know. Yeah, but after that, that, that description, it really popped out. Oh yeah, yeah. So they uh they take this guy down in the cellar and they shoot him full of the serum. Yeah, and it says 
ghastly as our prize appeared, it was wholly unresponsive to every solution we injected in its black arm. Solutions prepared from experience with white specimens only. And that's what caused me to go on my rant earlier. And it's like, we're all the fucking same. He's just, it's a genetic mutation, man. Because his fucking tribal ancestors was like, fuck it, you leave. We like the sun. Mm-hmm. So their bodies were like, well, I don't like this. And their brains were like, but we do. And it's like, fuck it, we'll make you dark. It'll protect you from the cancer and such. Well, I think it's probably the opposite. What? I think it's more the more the opposite, that we were all dark, and then as they people migrated to colder climates, their skin lightened. Oh, yeah, that's true. But still, you know what I meant. But yeah, I get the, I get the point. Don't forget, I was a, uh, an anthropology major. For what weren't you a major of? Success. Join the fucking club. So anyway, so, so anyway, they they mark this one up as a failure too, and they take him down to the cellar, and they, or no, they take him out to that stretch of woods that is between the Potter's Field and their new house, and they bury him in a shallow grave and cover it up with leaves, and they're sure nobody will find it. And then the next day, they're kind of freaked out because there's all these rumors of a of an illegal fight and somebody getting killed at the fight, and so they're worried that the police are going to come. Which so much for everybody being worried, right? Right. It was like, oh, we're worried. We shouldn't talk about this. Then the first thing that comes up. Did y'all hear there was a fight last night and some dude got dead? Yep. Oh, boy. Then they get called into a... Uh, so West gets a call to come treat or to check out this Italian woman who had become hysterical over her missing child, a five-year-old who'd stayed straight off early in the morning and failed to appear for dinner. Hmm. So, yeah, about 7 o'clock in the evening, she died. She had a heart attack because she was so hysterical. Yeah. And so then her husband is, like, super pissed at West because he thinks it's his fault that she died. So he, like, goes after him with a knife. <laughs> People have to hold him back. Yeah, that... Wow. The dude forgot about forgot all about his kid, who was still missing. They were like, right. well, maybe we and... should search the woods. But they got distracted by the dead woman and were like, well, fuck the kid. <laughs> Basically. Uh-huh. So they go to bed and then have some restless sleep. And then... Uh... All of a sudden, somebody comes beating at the back door. Yeah, there's a knock at the, there's a banging at the back door. Of course, like two scaredy cats, they're like, you got to come with me. So they have to go together to go check yeah, it out. Yeah, and West brings his gun and he's like, hey, you want to come see? Because they're not sure if it's, you know, something happened in the town. So somebody came beating on the door or if it was the husband coming to be yeah. like, guess what, motherfucker? So West shows up with his revolver and grabs uh, the narrator and they go to the door. Um, and West throws up West throws open the door and they the moonlight shines down on the thing that's standing there and he immediately fucking unloads six shots from his gun without even <laughs> hesitating. Yeah. So that's where the that first sentence of the chapter comes back. It's a nice little book Uh huh. Well yeah, it says West did a peculiar thing. Despite the obvious danger of attracting notice and bringing down on our heads the dreaded police investigation, a thing which after all, was mercifully averted by the relative isolation of our cottage, my friend suddenly, excitedly, and unnecessarily emptied all six chambers <laughs> of his revolver into the nocturnal visitor. Which nocturnal visitor? Doesn't that sound sort of sexy? <laughs> Kinda. It's a suscubus. <laughs> a suscubus. A suscubus. <laughs> um, but yeah, it says, looming hideously against the spectral moon was a giant... A gigantic, misshapen thing not to be imagined saved in nightmares. A glassy-eyed, inky-black apparition <laughs> nearly on all fours. 
<laughs> covered with bits of mold, leaves, and vines, found with caked blood, and having between its glistening teeth a snow-white, terrible, cylindrical object terminating in a small hand. So this fucking thing's got a baby's arm in its It's got a baby's arm arm. holding an apple. (laughs) (laughs) Get it? Yeah, so the black dude they reanimated is who killed that kid and ate his ass. (laughs) Or is at least carrying his arm around like a bone. Yeah. Yeah, things are getting increasingly worse. Progressively more fucked up. No shit. Yeah, so... So I wonder... I didn't read ahead, so I wonder if that the gunshots actually killed. Yeah, that I didn't thing. read ahead either. It didn't sound like it took it down, but who the fuck knows? Yeah, I don't know. Again, this is the first time you've read it. You're the Lovecraft fan. How did you? How did it hit you? It hit me good. I, I was I was afraid that it was going to be lame, just because the Reanimator movie is kind of lame. <laughs> well, not lame, but. You know, kind of... It's not great. Cliched. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like, okay, dude reanimates dead bodies. I didn't think there'd be that much to it. I didn't, wasn't sure how how he was going to make it suspenseful or, or all that interesting. Yeah. Like, like, is it going to be fucking five chapters of him tinkering with a solution and then finally it works at the end? You know, I didn't know it was going to be... I didn't know there was going to be quite so much going on, which is good, because it made it way more interesting and creepy and, and intriguing. Do any of his other stories... Are any of them of the other ones like this, or that you've read, or do you know? Oh, like serialized? Yeah. Um, and are they as fuck fucked up as this? Oh yeah, they're all fucked up. Okay. Yeah, they're they're all fucked up. Like um, the Dunwich Horror is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, some of them are just kind of um, some of them are just like pure monster. Or, or creature, supernatural creature stories. Like like Cthulhu? Yeah, which is fucked up, but, you know, it's more like, you know, it's more like a, a monster story, not more, not like, this is more fucked Graphic up. Graphic horror, sort of. Yeah, so it's it's, it's really kind of like humans doing ghoulish shit. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some, a lot of his other stuff is... Um... Cthulhu is one that really interests me, and it's not just because of that episode of, of Mystery Inc., yeah. But that's one of those that always sounded really fucked up, the squid-headed fucker. But I've, like, never known where to get a hold of it. Because I used to look at Barnes & Noble all the time to try to find his shit, but I just was lost, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like, for years I looked for Doyle's shit, and I didn't find it until Barnes & Noble had it in those two volumes, and then I got those. Right. But I've always looked for Cthulhu, and... I just couldn't find it, so yeah, I would like to read that one. Yeah, it's good, and it's. I think that's one of his longer stories too. Is it? It's it. Yeah, it's actually pretty long. Mm-hmm. Or is it maybe? Might be. Um, Shadow over Innsmouth is pretty long. I think they're both fairly. They're more like novellas than yeah. short stories. So you dug this, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I mean, it's totally like like you said. People say this is his worst or his weakest effort, but I don't know. It fucking reads just like Lovecraft to me. Yeah. Like I said, it's the first thing I've ever read of his. I really want to read more now, you know? Um, Anything else you wanted to say? No, I don't think so. I think, we're, I think I'm good. Yeah, we covered it pretty well. Uh, I'll do our thank yous real quick. 
as always, thanks to at the J Sarge for our song. Thanks to at Sherry Says for our logo. Thanks to Batcat37 and at TESD Groupie for helping me out with that intro. Thanks to all four of you. As for our shit, we're a part of the High Altitude Podcast Network. You can find that at highaltpod.net. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, nerdblitz.com. Um, search Nerdblitz on YouTube for all that kind of, for all kinds of extra cool shit. I'm at the Scooby Doom. You're at Fitzman73. Together we are at Nerdblitz Pod. And is that everything? I think that's everything. Uh, until next time when we read more of Herbert West Reanimator by H.P. Lovecraft. Bookmark it. This has been a feature of JJ2E Media and TSDJA Productions.